Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Well, hi, it's Mike again. Going to do some more reading. Maybe we could finish up the book. A Man of Heroic Endurance, Joe, by Charles R. Swindell. Looks like Wednesday Viz will be with me and on the show, and he'll share with us, if you're interested, uh, what his experience has been over the summer. Send out prayers for our brother in Christ um, Adiola and uh, things that he's going through and uh, please send prayers for me if you will as undeserving as I am um, yeah I haven't seen my son in a couple of weeks and uh, I don't know what to do except uh, I gotta just let go and put, let God put my trust in Him, and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I was looking at the skies today as they are dimming, messing with the the weather patterns. Another day without rain. Clearly, God is allowing the reprobates to screw up our the weather um, I went to a meeting again I didn't want to but uh, Johnny and not the Johnny that's been on the show before but a different Johnny came over uh, today and we talked about God and our Lord and Savior and prayed together and read out of uh, Galatians, I believe it was, 3 and 4, and uh, I don't know, he convinced me to come to the meeting, so needless to say, I, uh, you know, talked about God. All praise God for him, me doing that. Give me enough courage to do that. And uh, I guess next week, at the same time, 7 o'clock, yeah, a, they want me to moderate the meeting. So, And in the big book, it does talk about God. And before Rockefellers and uh, the other uh, dark influences took over the program, they did talk about Christ and about having a faith in God. So I brought, you know. Anyways, we met a guy, a young man in his 30s, who's in a, hanging out in a Cherry Street Mission. So I don't know if God be willing, if he does, call us or wants to be with us next Saturday. We talked about getting together and Praising the Lord and reading some Bible and praying together. And I don't know what else to do. I don't know. I don't want to go to AA at all. I don't like a lot of things about it. It's full of poison, but at the same token, I have to go where God leads me. So, And who am I? I am nothing. I am the clay. And the potter, my Lord, Savior Jesus Christ, is certainly molding me somehow, some way. Beyond my understanding, his ways are greater than ours. But, you know, as I was looking at, and we were talking after the meeting, uh, and invited uh, this young man 
all tattooed up and wearing an ACDC shirt. You just never know. I was that guy. And I'm not any better than him. The only thing that's different is that Christ got a hold of me, so... But as I was looking at the fake clouds, it just reminded me of Romans chapter 1. I felt like reading it. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations, for his name. For his name. Among whom are he also called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. For I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers making requests if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you <coughs> by the mutual faith both you of both both of you and me. No, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oft times oftentimes I propose to come unto you, but was let hitherto said I might have some fruit among you also, even among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly clearly seen, being 
understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that we are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. AA, the 12 steps, the 12 and 12 of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, the religion of not drinking, that at one time, didn't have a bunch of men and women professing to be wise, themselves to be wise. They knew they were fools, and they were were nothing without God. And they still had a belief in the Creator, in His eternal power and Godhead. What poison moral psychology has done to humanity? And denying the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to desire their own bodies between themselves. He changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. Who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, unburned in their lust one towards another, man with man, or men with men working, that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which is met. And even as they did not like to retain God and their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Oh God, to do those things which are not convenient. And then they up having a son with some woman and suffer deeply and terribly. But God uses, I guess, my own, truthfully, my own wickedness for good and and has led me to him. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, and whispers, backbiters, haters of God, <clears throat> despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which committed such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein 
thou judgest another, thou condemneth thyself. Thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And and thinkest thou this, O man, O man, thou judgest them which do such things, and thou doest the same, thou shalt escape the judgment of God, or despisest, despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Thank you, God. Thank you for putting me through all those things and adversities so that I may repent to come to you and believe in you, Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I am nothing without you. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of you, Jesus, your Son, my Savior, I am nothing without you. Truly nothing. And, it's, and it is the truth. But after thy, thy hardness and impotent, and penitent heart, impenitent heart, treasured up unto thyself wrath against the day of, of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds one soul. Without Christ, I don't even have a hope. To them who, by patient continuance and well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first, and also of the Gentile. But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons of God. For as many as have sinned without law also perish without law. And as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Which shows the showeth the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. <clears throat> Behold, thou art called a Jew and restest in the law, and maketh thou boast of God, and knoweth his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, and a light of them which are in the darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes which has the form of knowledge <clears throat> and of the truth of the law. Thou, therefore, which teaches another, teaches thou not thyself. Thou that preaches a man should not steal, thus thou steal. Thou that saith a man 
should not commit adultery, dost, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhors idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thou thy boast of the law through breaking the law, dishonoreth thy, thy God? <clears throat> For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. For the circumcision verily profiteth, if thou keep the law, but if thou break of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcised, therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? Shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee? Who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law? For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. I can keep on reading Romans. But we'll try to finish up this book. And now we're on chapter 22. Once again, of a man of heroic endurance, Job... Charles R. Swindles. Chapter 22 is What Job Teaches Us About Our God. A clear communication is essential. The right people need to communicate the things to the right recipients. When those three ducks are lined up, things aren't lined up, things backfire. A couple from Minneapolis decided to enjoy a long weekend in sunny Florida to thaw out during a particularly frigid winter. Because both had busy careers, they found it impossible to coordinate their travel schedules. They decided that the husband would fly to Florida on Thursday and she would travel down there the next day. Upon arriving, as planned, he checked into the hotel. Once in his room, he opened his laptop to send his wife a brief email back to back in Minneapolis. However, he accidentally left off one letter in her e, 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 e address and sent his message without realizing his error. In Houston, a widow had just returned from her husband's funeral, and he had been a minister of the gospel for many years when he was suddenly called home to glory following a heart attack. Lonely, hoping to find comfort and condolence messages from a few relatives and friends, the widow sat down to check her email. Upon reading the first message, she fainted and fell to the floor. Her son rushed into the room and found her mother unconscious, then glanced at the computer screen, which read, To my lovely wife, from your departed husband. Subject, I've arrived. I have just arrived and have been checked in. Everything went very smoothly after my departure. I also verified that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. Looking forward to see seeing you then. Hope your journey is an uneventful is as uneventful as mine. Yes. <laughs> it sure is hot out it sure is hot down here. Miscommunication can lead to serious misunderstanding. 
That goes for biblical truth, too. When accurate information is deposited into the ears of someone who may be unable to understand it, confusion occurs, especially if the recipient doesn't understand the context in which the scriptures were written. Cynthia and I have some very good friends, a couple who several years ago, with their young son, were enjoying the Christmas holidays together. The father decided shortly after the holidays ended that the three of them would read the Bible through during the next year. They would do this as a family. So each morning or evening, the three of them would sit down together and continue their journey through the scriptures. They got underway, of course, and the book of Genesis. It wasn't long before they read that Adam and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The boy frowned and looked down and listened in silence. And a little later, Adam had relations with his wife. And it says she then gave birth to her son, to their son. And not many paragraphs later, the older son murdered the younger brother. And then in the fifth chapter, Adam again had relations with his wife, and she bore another son named Seth. Their son by now is sitting with his head constantly bowed. And all that led into the story of Noah and the great flood that brought worldwide destruction. But the story of Noah, you may recall, ends in a shameful way where he gets drunk, uncovers himself in his tent, his son walks in on his father's nakedness, Noah dies in the in a context clouded in sin, shame, and failure. A couple of days later, they were reading in chapter 19 of Genesis on Sodom and Gomorrah. That did it. Their son spoke up, Stop, Daddy. Should I be listening to all of this stuff? You and I know there wasn't anything wrong with what was being read. But in the ears of a child, he couldn't help but wonder, What is this stuff in the Bible all about? New believers can have the same reaction. Truth from the scriptures can become confusing for them, especially when God is involved in unusual events. Can't you imagine a younger believer not knowing much about our Heavenly Father asking, why would a good God allow his chosen people, the Jews, to live 400 plus years in Egyptian bondage? Why would a good God do that? Why would a loving God encourage the the destruction of all the Canaanites when Joshua and his fellow Hebrews invaded the land, starting in Jericho? How could it be that every one of them was to be killed? And how could a holy God call David a man after my own heart, even though he was later guilty of adultery and murder was in fact a polygamist. And talk about confusing, how would a compassionate, loving God stand back and permit an upright, faithful man like Job to suffer like he did? Misunderstanding causes many not to trust God if he is so full of compassion and justice. If he wants us to call on him When we are in need, why would he ever approve of something as cruel as Satan's mistreatment of Job? Tough questions. Maybe we should let Job speak for himself. What does he think? Since he's the one who went through it all, it makes good sense to go to go to it makes good sense to back off and learn what Job would teach us about God.
rather than turning this final chapter into a lengthy and complicated theological treatise based on numerous sections of the book of Job, I think it would help if we limited our thoughts to the last chapter. As I did in my previous chapter, I have seven specific lessons that I think Job would teach us about our God if he were alive today. Thankfully, his inspired words are preserved for all to read. Through Job's pen, we're able to understand our God even better. Seven lessons about our God. Job sat silently through God's extensive message. It begins in chapter 38, and he doesn't finish until the end of chapter 41. Amazingly, he never answers Job's questions. He doesn't come near those issues. Instead, you recall, he escorts Job around the universe and into the sea and introduces him to several of the animals of the field and birds of the air. Though God doesn't answer Job's questions. questions, before the end of the book, the man with the boils is bowing in submission before him. And the one who permitted, in fact, per- in in fact, personally approved what happened to his servant Job offers no answers to the man's specific questions. And yet, I repeat, Job humbly submits. Surely he learned some things about God that we need to know. While we, like Job, will not have all, or even most, Our questions answered, we have much to learn from God's servant. I will do my best to communicate clearly. All I ask is that you give this last leg of our journey your full attention. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, Job 42, verse 2. Amen. And the first lesson Job teaches us, there is nothing God cannot do. Having heard and having realized the unlimited power of his infinite God, Job states his realization in, a simplest, in the simplest of terms. You can do all things. In other words, God is omnipotent. The first part of that interesting word omni means all, and of course potent means powerful or effective. God is all-powerful. This affirms that he has no limitations, needs no approval, faces no obstacle, that hinders his activities in any way. His actions run their course without resistance. The works of our Heavenly Father are always and completely effective. Theologically stated, since He has at His command all the power of the universe, the Lord God, omnipotent, can do anything as easily as anything else. All His acts are done without effort. He expands no energy that must be replenished. His self-sufficiency makes it unnecessary for him to look outside of himself for a renewal of strength. All the power required to do all that he wills to do lies in undiminished fullness of his own infinite being. Amen. So what, though somewhat technically technical wording, huh, 
I find those amplifying comments helpful. <clears throat> the point is clear. God's power is infinite and in independent, self-energized and never depleting. He creates from nothing without any decrease of energy, he sustains all life without needing any assistance. He gives life and takes life. He raises from the dead those he wishes to raise without any resistance. And he withholds, he withholds the most powerful creature ever created, Satan himself, with no struggle, without resistance. Nothing stands in God's way. Nothing hinders God's work. Nothing alters God's plan. He alone deserves the description awesome. We've cheapened that word by overuse. We've applied it to virtually everything we find intriguing. Sound systems are now awesome. Video games are awesome. Back when they built them, the early... Datsun Z car was advertised as an awesome automobile. I can remember doing, I can remember going to the showroom and looking at it. The longer I looked at it, the less awesome it was. It had four wheels like every other car. It had two doors and a steering wheel and a dashboard, all the standard stuff. It was tiny. In fact, smaller than all other cars I was able to squeeze into. It didn't have an awesome engine, even though it was advertised, the advertisements kept saying it is awesome, hardly. Only our omnipotent God is awesome. Four times in the scriptures, Jeremiah for, uh, chapter 32, verse 17 Jeremiah 32, verse 27, Luke 1, 37, and Luke 18, 27, we read that nothing is impossible with God. Now that defines awesome. We find a second truth worth remembering as we read the end of Job's opening sentence. <clears throat> and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Thwart Thwarted. Thwarted. Blah. I'm having a harder than normal time spark about speaking today because of how hot it is. And uh, it's affecting my MS. Ugh. Joe, 24-2. And what is this lesson? Is it impossible to frustrate God's purposes? Excuse me. It is impossible to frustrate God's purposes. In Job's words, we find the term thwarted. Jah, and I probably shouldn't be doing this. God's priorities are never thwarted. The Hebrew term is from the verb that means to cut off. No purpose of yours can be cut off. God's purpose cannot be blocked, restrained, or stopped. God's intentions can neither be altered nor disrupted. What he proposes will transpire without delay, without hindrance, without fail. Everything that happens on this earth falls within the framework of exact the framework of exactly what God has proposed. Yes, exactly. None of what occurs in a last minute stopgap response, therefore he is never surprised. So none of what occurs is a last-minute stopgap response. Therefore, he is never surprised. Whatever occurs in 
is unfolding precisely as he has planned it in his omnipotence. With him, things that occur on earth are never out of control. Let me remind you of the words of an ancient king who recovered from insanity and realized that that the living God was having his way in his life. All the inhabitants of the earth are uh, accounted as nothing. But he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? Well, that's interesting. Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel four thirty-five. No one can ward off his hand. Is another way of saying no purpose of God can throw, can be thwarted. No one can conceal the Lord's agenda. No one can restrain him or hinder. His plan from running its predetermined course. Please do not be afraid of this great doctrine. If you're like me, you will learn to find comfort in it. Job has not come back from insanity, but he has endured a maddening long episode of loss and humiliation, grief and physical and emotional pain. He has been leveled to the role of a homeless man, having once been the greatest of men of the East. Job is on the other side of all that and is, is just now beginning to realize, get this, without any of his questions answered, that he is at the mercy of his great God who, whose purpose cannot be frustrate, frustrated. He can still, he is still the one who does all things well. <clears throat> Scar, sorry about that. Scary, sorry. Oh, gosh. Well, I definitely need my omnipotent and omnipresent and omnipotent God because I can't do anything. I can't even read. Man. But God knows best. And I just put my trust in God because I have nothing else to trust. But anyways, what would anybody else want to trust more than God? That's kind of insanity to believe in other things other than our Creator. In fact, that is the definition of insanity, isn't it? So, what can I say? So, He is still the one who does all things well. His submission resulted from that realization. Without having an explanation of his why questions, Job knows he can trust his God. Which brings us to the third lesson worth remembering. God's plans are beyond our understanding and too deep to explain. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know, Job 42.3. In other words, I babbled on about things far beyond me, made small talk about wonders way over my head from the message. It took humility to say that, If you were to ask me to give you the core message of the book of Job, 
I have to read Job 42.3. Job's story is about coming to an understanding that God's plan is beyond our understanding and too deep to explain. Do not be hesitant to admit that there are times we are downright disappointed with God. I mean, after all, we have done what is right, and we have done it for all the right reasons. Yet look at what has transpired. How could he have permitted such a thing? Because God has revealed himself as good and fair, compassionate and loving, we anticipate his responding in ways that fit his character as we understand it, but he doesn't come through. Philip Yancey addresses this forthrightly and honestly. I can think of several helpful things God could have said. Job, I'm truly sorry about what happened. You've endured many unfair trials on my behalf, and I'm proud of you. You don't know what this means to me and even to the universe. A few compliments, a dose of compassion, or at least a brief explanation of what transpired behind the curtain in the unseen world. As of these, would have given Job some solace. God says nothing of the kind. His reply, in fact, consists of more questions than answers. Sidestepping 35 chapters worth of debates on the problem of pain, he plunges into a magnificent verbal tour of the natural world. He seems to guide Job through a private gallery of his favorite works, lingering with pride over the dioramas of mountain goats. I don't know what that means. Dioramas. That's a new word I mean. Mountain goats. Dioramas. Dioramas of of mountain goats and wild donkeys and ostriches and eagles and speaking as if astonished by his own creations. The beauty of the poetry at the end of Job's of Job rivals anything in world literature. Even as I marvel at God's dazzling portrayal of net of the natural world. However, a sense of bewilderment steals in of all moments. Why did God choose this one to give Job a course in wilderness appreciation? Are these words relevant? That kind of reminds me of what I'm going through now. Of all moments, an opportunity to finish this book and actually finish a book, and I can't read today. I can barely see. My mouth won't work. But God knows best, and he's probably humbling me some more and realize that there ain't nothing special about you, Mike. All praise and glory go to our God, our Heavenly Father, the Godhead, the Triune God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who have the real power and our Heavenly Father, I don't have any power. You know, it's funny what God's done to me. You know, I've always been a really vain kind of guy, actually, to be honest with you. I always wanted to be a guy that could look good and all that kind of stuff for the women. I got sores on my head that have been there for years now. And my stomach, even though I lost a lot of weight, I still have like a bulge. My stomach doesn't work very. My bowels don't work. I have a time taking a poop. I have a hard time seeing. A hard time speaking. A hard time walking. 
I have a hard time with my son's mother. I have a hard time getting any kind of credit about much of anything. Uh, I don't have any close relations. I... Man, he's really... I have no job prospects. I, um... He's really brought me down to who I really am. Nothing. I am nothing without God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I really am nothing without Jesus Christ. I'm nothing without the Holy Spirit. I am nothing at all. God reminds me when I walk out my porch, those beautiful flowers that he made, although he made a lot of man's hands to manipulate the flowers so they may be, you know, different shapes and sizes. Still, he created them all. He created it all. I look up in the sky and I see man screwing it up. And he reminds me of that. I look at the blues, and what do I think these days? I think of the waters, the ferment in between the waters. Am I just looking at water? What's in that water? I know nothing. Everything that we think we know, isn't it interesting, even though you could be like somebody who studies economics and finance, you could know how to manipulate the markets. And yet, you really don't have any power. The way God has allowed it all to be designed, some reprobate, or not, a reprobate to do all the pens, I don't know. Most likely, though. Get just press a button and all your electronic money is gone. You don't own a house in reality. You could pay all your life a mortgage and God willing, if he wants it, the government come in and take it away. I don't own these birds. God willing, if you want it, the fish in the tank died, the chickens could be taken away, uh, the birds. I don't own my son. His mom owns him. Well, actually, the state owns him. The government owns him. But they've given no responsibility to her, but then she passed it on to me. And God will love that. The more I learned about who I really am, I am nothing but dust. I am nothing without you, God. Dear God, the true and living God, the God in the Bible, dear Lord Jesus, I am absolutely nothing Zero. Nada. Without you. And that's not me being self-loathing or negative or defeatist. Actually, for the first time in my life, I'm being actually being absolutely 100% real and honest. And even you had to give me that, God. What am I? I am a fallen man. I'm a sinner. Without you, God, I have nothing. I am nothing. I'm a bag of bones. I'm nothing but hot air coming out of both ends. And even the the one end, I can't even get air out. They're like, Damn, sphincter muscles muscles don't work. 
God and his justice. Where am I in all this, anyways? Okay. God says nothing of the kind. He replies, in fact, consistent more of questions than answers, so skipping the 35 chapters worth of debates on the problem of pain, he plunges into, instead, into the magnificent verbal tour of the natural world. Okay. Of all the moments, why did God choose this one to give Job a course in wilderness appreciation? Are these words relevant? In his book, Wishful Thinking, Thedrick Ochner sums up God's speech. God doesn't explain. He explodes. He asks Job who he thinks he is anyway. He says that to try to explain the kind of things Job wants explained would be like trying to explain Einstein to a little a little neck clam <clears throat> actually of course we know Einstein's a fraud too so and his theory of relativity is, is nonsense as well God uh, in fact they never they can't even go into space so I need to know this quantum theory now it's all that nonsense and E M equals whatever. It's just what that it is, whatever. But none of that has ever created one thing except a bunch of egotistical hot air. A bunch more of man's pride. And that's about it. So God doesn't reveal his grand design. He reveals himself. The message behind the splendid poetry boils down to this. Until you know a little more about running the physical universe, Joe, don't tell me how to run the moral universe. Why are you treating me so unfairly, God? Is that what most of us ask at some point? Because, Mike, you're a sinner. You're a fallen man, and I had to do all these, allow, I wanted all these things to happen to wake you up and realize that you're not God. That you're the creation, you're the clay, and God Almighty, you are the potter. Lord God, you are the potter. And you can do whatever you want with me. And there's nothing I can do about it, so why whine about it? Why complain about it? Why complain about it? Just, I beg of you to have mercy on me, God. I beg of you to have mercy on my son. I beg you to have mercy on the people who listen to this show. I beg you to have mercy on those people I met in that meeting today. Those men. And that woman. I beg of you to have mercy on my son's mother. I sincerely mean that, God. Even, I... You know, I'm willing to lose my son for his mom to be saved. And I love my son. And I like my son. And yet I don't like his mom. But for some reason, God has put in my heart a person who's treated me like nothing like a pile of crap that cared us to want her to be saved. Don't like her, God. She's mean. She's nasty. She's rude. She's a manipulator, she's a liar, and a deceiver, and a whole bunch of other things. But maybe in the end of the day, 
who I'm really talking about is a fallen man like me, myself. I guess I got to put my money in the, where my mouth is, God, and just say I handed it over. To, I'm handing my son over to you. You know what's best. As if I'm. I said I could do anything, anyways. Isn't that silly when you think about that? God, just have mercy on me and help me to accept the fact whatever's going to happen. I am tired, though, of trying to make things happen my way and it's just it's not worth it God I, I don't think God's helped my son at all in all these years to be honest with you I, I don't feel that way I've, I've introduced him to Jesus to you my Lord but that doesn't mean anything I taught him things but that doesn't mean anything did I really teach him anything I've took care of him and made sure he had a shelter and it what was diapers were changed and a clean place. Maybe my role is over in his life. I don't know. All I know is I don't know anything. I literally don't know anything. It's not in my heart or my continence, my ability to go through all this fighting and the court system and everything else. It hurts my heart and it makes me, my health feel even worse, being bitter and angry towards mom and everyone else. I, you know, I should see things properly. It's a good thing. Obviously, God, you did a, all this. You've removed me from all these people so that I can grow with you, that I can know you. And even then, I don't know why, except that now I, I know I, one of the consequences is I have faith in you, Lord. And if I was still with her and I was doing the things that I wanted, you and I both know that wouldn't be. But then again, let me shut up, God. I don't know anything. For I, you, or God, you could do anything you wanted. So you know what's best. I imagine the people listening to this must think I'm the craziest dude that ever was. And they just might be right. I think I'll stop here and we'll do a part A and a part B. I just don't feel good. It's hot. And even with the AC and the fans blowing and everything, it's still hot in here. It's been a brutal day today, man. I had to water my, at least the plants in the front, three times. I learned my lesson yesterday. I watered it in the morning, thinking there'd be enough water and I could water it in the evening. But by two, three in the afternoon, well, actually, about five in the afternoon, I looked, and everything was wilted. All those beautiful flowers, the petals and everything. So I had to water three times today. Because it's just brutal, though. <clears throat> Our heat's are just a little different. Maybe out west and all that kind of stuff, you got that dry heat. Man, we got this humid heat. So it might say 93, but it feels like 105. And especially what they've been doing to the weather this, this summer and spring, with all their geoengineering going on. As there are these things, they clearly have, uh, in their minds, and their delusion, think they're having mastery and control over the weather. But boy, I tell you what, 
I can only imagine what God's going to do when he finally does what he's going to do. And I would hate to be the guys involved with messing with his creation the way they're doing it. Because you know that most of those guys believe in all this nonsense about global warming, and they believe that they, as it says, worship their creation more than the creator. We got a heck of a ride ahead of us. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.